salutations and welcome to the youth political podcast that is Politibabble, where this week it's all about the Commonwealth. I'm Oliver, and as usual, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Archibald, as well as today's guest panellist, Jay, but not in person. Hello, Jay. Hello. Hello, Archie. And Oliver. Pleasure to be here. Oh, great, great to have you here. Um, we're just we're having the joys of uh, when we started and got into the studio today, uh, we discovered that Skype didn't actually have video on the studio PC, nor did it have uh, the microphone set up until we called through Biotic Studio. So we're here. We, we, we've made it. Yep, we are. Yeah. So uh, we come, I suppose we should introduce you, Jay. So you're a friend of the podcast, as we could say. Uh, you, uh, I think you had me on in your uh, Actor Populi uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. to think of that as the, the, the sister podcast. The sister podcast of, to Politico. Indeed, do look, give it a listen. Uh, it, I, it, it is rather good. I should, yeah, you yeah. should, Oliver. You should, yeah. indeed. Uh, so, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I, I'm Jay. I'm, I'm in the same 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 year as uh, Archie, though I'm in a different country in England. Um, I live uh, close to Manchester. Um, I'm in year 12. Uh, I'm doing history and English literature and music at A-level. And I'm I'm hoping to do history. I have, I have a real uh, interest in the empire in India. That's why uh, I was very keen on uh, doing talking about imperialism. Indeed, brilliant. And we do come to I suppose the most important pod- question of any podcast, uh, which should if you're on a podcast and you don't have this question, you should definitely introduce is, if you were cake, Jay, what cake would you be? This yeah, this has been um, kind of occupying my mind for ever since I watched the the, 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 the new uh, the new series of this. Um, um, I, I, there's so so many questions, and so many people have been saying their cakes, and more and more as the episodes plow on, I was like, oh my god, that's going to be my cake. There's no cakes left, <laughs> so I'm 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 reduced to a very small amount of cakes I can choose from, and I chose to go for an obscure one. I chose to get a Battenberg cake. Oh, oh I love yes. Battenberg cake. They're really nice. Yeah. Um, there is no real kind of deep, profound philosophical reason for this, um, mainly just because kind of I, I thought I might as well go for one that hadn't been chosen. Mm, very good. I must say I I do quite like a Battenberg. They are they're mm. lovely checkerboard style. Um, but which colours are in your Battenberg? Wow. Well, this is one that I was not prepared for. I was going to go for the, 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 the typical Mary Berry Battenberg, pink and pink and yellow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, are you, are you, is your are your colours different, Archie? Well, I suppose I go for the classic uh, kind of royal uh, Battenberg of uh, chocolate, uh, kind of brown and yellow, which is. Ah. Uh, well, they're both classics, so uh, very mm. good choice, I must say. We do we do approve mm. here with lots of marzipan yeah. around the outside. Maybe we should get we should get some Battenberg in one we week. Should, that that yes. would be good. That yeah. would be good. Uh, yes. So, although this isn't strictly related to the Empire, um, something did happen this week, so we shall use this as our Empire theme music. Uh, well, Empire, Commonwealth theme music, which is, yeah, it's coming home. Uh, well, that's from, obviously, uh, we had a sterling performance, uh, in, uh, the Euros yesterday, so, yeah, here we are, and that is our Commonwealth Terrific. theme music, where obviously... Wonderful. We're now talking about is the Commonwealth still relevant? And it's not exactly the Commonwealth Games, it's the Euros, which yeah. is slightly different. So, yes, Jay, Jay, I know you're fascinated by the Commonwealth, so could you tell us what is it? Um, yeah, I'm fascinated with the Empire, and I, th- I think the Commonwealth is a, 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 
I think that's born out of the empire, but not necessarily so connected as people say it is. Um, there's a lot of people saying that it's a pseudo form of empire. I find this to be, I, I, I disagree. Um, so if, if I may, can I talk a bit about empire and, and what, what the etymology is kind of lead into empire? Sure. So empire, kind of the first, the first um, beginnings of empire come from the Latin in, in, imperatum, which basically means that the, 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 a command or the right to give a command. Um, so the, in ancient Rome, an imperator was, which is conventionally translated as a general now, was 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 um, kind of gave these commands. And then in the in the, in the, the first the first Roman Empire, Augustus took the title of imperator, and he was basically a kind of commander of Rome. Uh, during his reign, there was this massive massive um, map of the territories of Rome put up in the forum of the Senate. And over the over his reign, um, the term emperatum came to mean this territory, and then within that, then it kind of develops now into empire through kind of uh, variations in French and German. But um, what I find really interesting, what we can learn about Rome, as in if we're going to kind of apply that to later modern empires, uh, be that um, England and France, and then now even America and China, is that Rome has a metropole, that being Rome, and the peripheral regions, and that's what makes of an empire. So London is the peripheral region in the British Empire, and then the various other kind of Calcutta, New Wellington are these these peripheral regions. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that is a, that's definitely a good uh, depiction of it, because the the Commonwealth came really from the empire. It was uh, when you know, the empire collapsed. Um, the, Queen, the British obviously wanted something mm. as a remnant almost. That's what we could argue. Um, to kind of kind of live the memory and keep those connections between the former colonies, which I find quite interesting. Um, so, and I, I had an interesting mentoring session uh, recently uh, with Mr. Karen uh, from uh, one of the schools here, who and it, so it does actually listen to the podcast. So, hello. If you're uh, listening, was, hope yeah, you're enjoying it. It was uh, it was about a kind of Commonwealth, and is it maybe still relevant today? Does it still have a function? Um, but. I'd say it's definitely that new, is kind of new form of imperialism, arguably. Uh, but it doesn't actually seem to do very much. It seems to just sit there and provide a kind of basis for smaller nations to talk to bigger mm. nations. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, there's there's not many things that that come out of it, is there? Really, apart from a lot of talks between nations, a lot of maybe support for other nations. Um, but yeah, obviously you have the Commonwealth Games, which I suppose is that that shows that unity with the nations. Well, we, we it? take we take part in that as the Isle of Man. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I um, is it? I find it hard to think of it as a new empire because um, a lot of countries try and avoid the term empire now, and mm. it's it's a we, we want to move away from it. I I don't think it is an empire. There's there's it's not there's there's not one country controlling it i don't think and that's not what we want to pose i think it's more a kind of a harm uh, the phrase they use i remember mm. is a harmonious family of nations um, i, I, I think... mean it's, it's like a progression of it's what emp the empire has become almost mm. uh, in yeah. a way it's evolution evolution uh but i don't think within it there's any kind of imperial nature to it mm. it's more harmonious as opposed to a one ruler but obviously it came i'm so as you great interest in british india as you said sorry uh so it did, it did come india is a main component of the empire and we had a big influence in, in india um obviously from british india we had the lovely diamonds came for the british crown jewels uh, and have, yeah yeah um so india powered the entire industrial revolution in england mm. and capitalism as we know it from that today um it's it was the jewel in the british crown yeah 
um, it's it's worth cannot be. And what Britain did to India, I think, is is um, a massive. So so when we left India in 1947, the poverty rate was above 90 percent. 90% of the population were living below the poverty rate. There was a literary percent, literary rate of 17% in 1947. We pillaged it to the ground and we took what we needed to do, the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. But argu- arguably, um, we could look at kind of the empire. I suppose it's all about Commonwealth and the empire. Uh, but we could look at the em- empire and say, well, yes, although it did kind of have those impacts and it did kind of reduce the positive date when they left, we then have seen a giant boom in recent years of India's power. Yes, there's still that giant, this kind of big level of inequality between the different caste systems, but it's powered ahead, and I think it is definitely recovered almost. Mm, they, um, don't, don't they have one of the best education systems? Uh, do they, don't they have quite a strong education system? Or am I am I wrong there? They have a lot of people, I can yeah. say. So they my, do, um, yeah. my 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 heed with that, Archie, is that. Um, do you know uh, India's um, percentage of the uh, of the world's economy is is below three percent at this point? When in 1700, before the British arrived, mm. it was at 23 percent of the British for the world's economy. I think if we're going to say if the British were d- didn't go, it it wouldn't be as good as it is today. I think it'd be far better than it is today. It was at 23 percent in 1700 before we arrived, and we pillaged it to the ground. Well, yeah, of course, of course, but it is looking. I suppose uh, we see. The population of India will soon overtake China. Uh, it is, I suppose, it's yet to be its full power to be harnessed. Really, I'd say uh, it has a lot of manpower, and it's, it's interesting when we look at the former colonies. We have, obviously, I think personally, I think there are benefits to the empire. We saw uh, mass building of infrastructure. We, I suppose, this is, the, this is the common argument for British involvement in India. We saw, um, obviously, the railways, which still, I suppose. They're still legacies of the colonial mm. era. They are still in India. Um, but I, it, it's, it's interesting. I'd say it's, it was recovered since. Uh, but then we obviously see the rise of uh, Modi now, which I suppose is fascinating. I watched really int- listened to a really interesting podcast on Modi. I do recommend if you have uh, if you have Audible and you want to buy it. It's, it's excellent. It's Iron Man. Iron Man, sorry. Um, and he's, it's a fascinating story. So um, that, that bit you said about railways, the reason mm. we built railways was to transport goods. our goods mm. that we stole from India mm. around India yes. to get to the ports. There was no kind of, um, philanth- kind of philanthropic reason for that. I find it utterly confusing that people would say now that empires are good, especially in India, because I've, I've, I've explored how they, mm. uh, India was a, a, a kind of a, a rich geographical state full of vibrant culture and 23% of the world's economy, and then through British pillaging and kind of rampant um, uh, theft, it, it left to kind of a, a poster child of world poverty. I don't really understand how um, we can posit as English people that, oh, well, we did leave railways, railways that were half broken by the time mm. we left. Well, I suppose uh, it is almost, it's the two sides of the argument. We have, I suppose, I I am one of those who um, kind of, Maybe look look at the um, the British rule there, and we see, I I personally see the economic developments, the legal uh, kind of developments, and the administrative developments. But I I have to, I do have to concede there are obviously we did go and kind of with the empires and with all empires really it is all of the kind of nations which is taken over. All the colonies are 
really sucked dry. It's like syringes has been put into them and kind of these blood has been taken almost. I mean, um, you, you see from people their different stances where they look mm. at more, you know, like yourself, you look at more the economic point of view, whereas some people look at the more social point of view, and that's where people usually decide whether it's right or wrong. I, yeah, I think I agree with Oliver there. And I think there's, there's arguments to be made, some lesser um, uh, and, and some more. Like, yeah, we can see economically um, that kind of it rampant and uh, pillages it. Socially, um, it destroys societies. Um, I, I, I don't want to go in too much into it, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a very interesting, it's a very interesting idea. And I think when, whenever we talk about empire, uh, we always have to talk about race. Um, and mm, this course. is always a, is always the kind of thing. We, we we need to bear in mind that we are th- uh, we are three we are three white men, and we're probably not the best people to talk about race. Um, no, but, no. And moving that aside, Empire um, had a, had a deeply racially motivated uh, what Rudyard Kipling uh, defined as a white man's burden to kind of to to look after these countries, and I that, that that's one thing that completely I don't understand. What, what does a white man have have to do with have to do with kind of caring well, this was the thing he said or oh, we would go to india and we would care for the indians they didn't need our care they were 23 percent of the world's economy they had tax systems whilst britain was in during the plague I, I i just really i think speaking about empire with such a um a tone of glory and uh, pride can lead to kind of really racist um conversations because some people um, who've come to England have have experienced that as as have parents who have been part of the colonies and have terrible experiences under British oppression. I think that's one thing that we really need to bear in mind when talking about empire. Also, yes, there's obviously um, kind of bat- the the empire wasn't perfect by any means. It had many many different advantages. Um, but again, I'm uh, I, uh, I I I am obviously uh, quite more national. I'm quite I'm relatively nationalistic, so. I do have, obviously, my view is taken from maybe one, more one side than the other. Um, I do, I do think it's, it, it is interesting you, re- you mentioned kind of the racial aspect because there was definitely um, an in, in, in India in that time when British took over, it was very much we are the colonizer, we are kind of uh, we need to show how it's done, which is quite it, it is very very ignorant of it because there's a lot of kind of rich culture, especially within kind of the we see the remnants of the Indian forts. Uh, and all of the kind of the Mughal Empire that was it's kind of you had these giant empires before uh, Britain comes along but obviously um, it's interesting, yeah. yeah it's interesting you say that because um, uh, so obviously Britain first arrived in India or kind of officially mm. around 1601 with the British East, East India Company and all the way up to 1858 with the Indian mutiny that they ruled India as a private company but this company was incredibly or relatively respectful to the Indian culture mm. and you would see lots of interracial marriages between East, East India Company workers and uh, Indians in India. And then when the Indian mutiny happened and the British Raj was established, yeah. this kind of wave of social Darwinism and racism came and the very prospect of touching an Indian or inviting an Indian mm. to dinner was um, completely um, kind of cast away. And also as a, as a conservative, Archie, which I know you are, um, <laughs> I, I wonder if I may ask you about uh, Edmund Burke, the, 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 the founder of modern day conservatism who uh, famously brought in um, Robert Clive and confronted him about his his um, his dealings in India. Um, so lots of people, lots of conservatives, didn't like the idea of painting the world pink, as the phrase was, because it was expensive. It took a lot of time, and then even some, a very small amount at that time, thought it was bad. 
uh, morally. Mm. No, I, I think there's obviously, um, I, I think the, pri the private company did arguably do it a lot better uh, than Britain because once you start to involve a state, the state then does usually, especially if it's an imperialistic state at that time, taking over colonies, it does then tend to really create this hierarchy. And I suppose it's, it's interesting you mentioned the East India Company and they're kind of more more respectful generally of the of the culture, because um, yeah. it, it is it is that definitely need if you were if you take it kind of business mindset take it out of kind of India you do need to work with what you have in effect so you need to respect the culture okay. and you need to have that ability to turn work there so it, it did make a lot of sense I'm For not sure if I could just oh. if I could just clarify and the East India Company wasn't that it wasn't no, a no. very very good company they they were very very corrupt. And as, uh, but they were best, better than the future. So mm. she, nah, I think that's because uh, of bribes, uh, suborn rule. They were very, um, mm. very dark, and they stole a great deal from India. I don't think any involvement in India, any involvement at all in any any dominions or or um, colonies, is good. And uh, yeah, we definitely shouldn't praise the East India Company. Yes, it's, it's, de it's definitely not good. I uh, know, but it was. Uh, I suppose all all empires, in effect, I. I would have to say are generally bad for the colonized nations. They only really benefit. Would you argue then they're bad for they're bad for a colonized nation of people living there? Surely that means they're they're, they're bad in general as a concept. Well, um, I suppose in a in a concept, yes, uh, we do need the kind of it, it does work better to have more individual states rather than overarching bureaucracy taking over kind of the individual person's rights. I would agree there. They are generally bad as a concept to everyone but the nation state that formed the empire uh because the nation state that we saw formed the empire we saw this kind of within britain i suppose this is why commonwealth does come in to kind of mitigate those effects and try and provide a kind of not reparations but a form of social afterwards but they do all the wealth does flow back to that original nation uh so we saw kind of the giant gems which flow back to Britain, all the uh, ancient relics which see, sit in the British Museum today are all technically yes, yeah. from the colonisation. Yes, we see a wealth of lovely buildings uh, in London, like the uh, India office for the Foreign Commerce, Foreign Commerce and Development Office now own it. Um, lovely, again, but yes, it was funded with bad proceeds. Um, I'm glad we yes. determined a, a view, Archie, that you... Uh, that you are uh, anti-imperialist. Well, although, although, although my, <laughs> my, my, my nationalist line says, yes, we must go, as, a cons as conservatives, it does prove very ineffective cost-wise uh, and in the modern day. Well, I think as a human being as yeah. well, there's kind of... There's a because there's, there's a clear, like, immorality mm. of... Yes. A moral empire would be yeah. my solution. A moral empire which you could have great economic strengths and... I think uh, yeah. empires are by definition immoral. Um, pillaging a nation, going to a nation without their consent is, is immoral. But could we argue we see kind of an evolution of empires and we see kind of... You could, it's a nation-state. We see kind of... We could take the EU, for example. I'd argue that's a form of modern empire because it exerts great control over its nation-states from Brussels. Brussels, mm. the EU bureaucrats. I, I think... I can't remember whether you were a fan, particular fan of the EU or not. Uh, but the EU bureaucrats do tend to take that mass control out of those nation states and around kind of centralize it in Brussels. So we do see, obviously, I think we were talking about uh, America earlier and their new form of imperialism. We saw that with their rush to gain all the oil contracts. We saw that again with Britain uh, trying to gain the oil contracts in well, the Well, yeah, with Tony Blair, kind of the modern imperialist, yeah. Yes. Um, um, I, yeah. 
Sorry, was. Oh no, it was just. No, I was taking a breath. At China as well. We're going to talk about modern mm. empires. Um, you're, you're probably very familiar with this, Archie, being a scholar of uh, um, Africa, uh, African history. But then China uh, under President Xi Jinping have been Indeed. taking an enormous amount of uh, kind of economic advancements out of the uh, the, the deprived countries of, of China. Africa, I should say. Oh yeah, indeed. It's through the uh, Belt and Road Initiative. They go in and, and give these, build these massive infrastructure projects uh, in return for kind of that's loan, and then they gain like a entity, like maybe a port, and they get that for a certain lease, and then or they get that lease after then the country then most likely because they are generally uh, poorer and still developing nations, uh, they then tend to default on that loan and then China can then swoop in and gain even more assets. Um, so it is definitely a modern, it's, it's a modern form of imperialism. It's, it's entirely very, very strategic. We see them take kind of key ports uh, within these nations and they, they build very, very good roads very, very quickly, but <laughs> at a massive cost, uh, definitely. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, but to loop back to kind of Commonwealth, we see, obviously, we're talking about the downsides uh, of the empire, which obviously were great. And yes, I, I still view there are uh, there are upsides. Uh, however, more outweighed they are, obviously, by the downsides. There are up, there were, in my view, upsides to the empire. But we see the Commonwealth kind of, I suppose, come in. I'd say it's more philanthropical than the empire was, obviously. Uh, and it does, it definitely, in its early days, was a lot more powerful than it is now. Now, uh, I would argue it is almost uh, useless in a, in a certain mm. way. Uh, there's still kind of it, it's it, it's lost it's lost it's lost most of its power. But on the upside, it d has provided those kind of former colonies we see, like African nations, um, kind of that ability to lobby those major donors and diplomatic players, like the UK, uh, even India now and Canada. Uh, and as I quote from a former Ugandan. Uh, foreign minister, the beauty of the Commonwealth is that member states feel they can approach each other when serious tensions arise between them. Well, yeah, what a, what a... I think that's, that's, the, that's the idea of a Commonwealth, more of a, mm. say it again, a harmonious family of nations, as opposed Indeed. to some kind of imperialist exploit. Mm. Also, when, when talking about empire, also, I think it's very important. Um, I don't know if you've read Santhum Sagara's Empire Land, which is this, this new best-selling book uh, written by uh, the um, kind of a he's a he's a he's a, a graduate in English from Cambridge, but he's kind of a turned historian on empire, more thinking about uh, empire conceptually. But he's talking about how um, we should be careful to talk about the goods and the bads of empire more, mm. uh, apply a bit more nuance to it, which I think is a very interesting way of looking at it. Mm, it, it is interesting. I see. It, it is quite it's quite a divisive issue. Um, between you have, I suppose, a new wave of historians is kind of more anti-empire, and we see the old wave is probably what we describe now as kind of quite uh, patriotic uh, and and more 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 uh, set in like maybe the sixties view of the joys of the empires. So we see quite a variety of academic texts and more. Yes, yeah, coming out. I think in the sixties there was a kind of an enormous um, parallels being made between the Roman Empire and the British Empire. Mm. I mean, it was a massive empire, but it was five times the size of the Roman Empire, mm. kind of half a billion people in it. It was a an enormous, enormous empire. Mm, in, indeed. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overall, I think I must say um, China's, in, it's not China's, America's imperial, new kind of imperialism, obviously it's a major, major world power. Uh, and that has definitely come to rise 
Um, it was more so under Donald Trump we saw kind of uh, involvements and well less involvements in certain countries, uh, but it was kind of more it put it put America I'd say back uh, at the forefront of the world. All the news networks found, but well, basically I see was he was quite funny, <laughs> so he was definitely attracted to many. But America had giants, even under Obama, they've massive involvements in Bush as well uh, within kind of the Iraq, Iran. Um, oh, yeah, and also, yeah. also in in, this, in the um, in South America, we can talk about uh, Nixon, indeed, uh, Reagan, and and their assassination of a uh, of the democratically elected leader of Chile, and um, um, throwing in of uh, the vicious dictator Pinochet. Is, is yeah, it's a very very interesting and very dark part of uh, both these countries, especially America, which pauses itself to be kind of the land of the free. And the leader um, of the free world, which I find really yeah, funny. Because you, you can even draw parallels with, you look at the Cold War, and to, to, both Russia and kind of America were vying for um, more power within kind of the newly independent African countries. So yeah, there were nations yeah. at that point. And they were basically, the African nations would either go to the communists for funding or they would go to the Americans for funding, and then, regardless of which one, they would become almost like puppet governments. They were reliant well, we on this foreign funding. Pakistan as well. There was an enormous mm. amount of that going there, following uh, the partition. Mm. I, I suppose the partition. I, I was reading about it early because we have a wonderful historical uh, political figure of the week, uh, thankfully chosen by Jay because I he can pronounce the name. I uh, Jawaharlal Nehru is the pronunciation, or just call him Jawahar or Pandit as he was teacher in Sanskrit, Pandit. Well, what you said. But anyway, I was reading about the uh, partition because he, he was he's playing an interesting role within the, le the leaderships. And obviously, when Britain finally decided to leave, it was under the Labour government of Attlee. They sent over yeah. a British cabinet de delegation uh, in the late, late uh, 1940s and to kind of assess kind of British India. Uh, and it was at that time definitely coming to the point where it was no longer viewed as the question of should India become independent or should India become kind of split into obviously Pakistan and India as, as two nation states or should it stay as one? That became more of a topic conversation. Obviously now it's Pakistan yeah. and India. And as was for most of my life, it's fascinating. I never really, until I read about it, actually, not obviously recently, I, it was a few years ago, I never actually realised that Pakistan and India used to be the same nation under British India. I didn't realise that was their split. Mm. It's fascinating. Uh, we've also... Yeah, it's, you've got Myanmar now or, or Burma. That was yeah, yeah. part of India at one point as well. So it was a massive, massive amount of land to rule. Um, extraordinary. Um, I was going to give you a quick historical anecdote that I think were quite quite funny um, from the partition. So once it was announced and there was um, the, the leaders of these countries, uh, Jawahar Nehru and um, uh, the leader of Pakistan, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, they went on Indian national radio to announce um, to the country the, the partition. And um, Jawaharlal Nehru, who, who we'll talk about later, um, said his wonderfully eloquent um, speech. And then uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, the leader of Pakistan, equally kind of educated man, a barrister, mm. he um, he ended his, he, he did all his brilliantly. And he ended with Pakistani Zindabad, which means long live Pakistan. Mm. However, in Urdu, however, the connection was really bad on the radio, so it came out as Pakistan's in the bag. And then the problem with that, the problem with that is that you had um, you had these these, these mm. all these Indian politicians in Michigan getting really angry at this guy's kind of self um, uh, false confidence in this, like Pakistan's in the bag, like completely <laughs> professionalism. Okay, I found that quite funny. No, that, that I must say that that's, that's that is a that's a rather rather good anecdote. Um, 
I suppose, luckily, I hopefully we shouldn't have any misconstruing on our uh, podcast from our faulty collections. Uh, no. Although, that would be rather interesting. Yeah, so uh, it is... It, Utterly fascinating kind of that era. I must say, I'm, I'm not particularly well versed in Indian politics. I've, I've had a recent uh, interest kind of reading about Mo- Modi. Um, so I, I must say, I shall. You've inspired me to read uh, more Wonderful. about it. It's, it yeah, I, does, I will recommend some wonderful. books at the end. Ah, oh, brilliant. Uh, yes. I suppose I, I'm. Uh, my, my fascination, I'm sure. I, I will rope you into doing an episode about this, yes. uh, Oliver, in, in a couple of weeks. I, I, uh, I'm not very well practised on the yeah. subject either, as you about, can probably tell with my little contribution. About Cote d'Ivoire shall be uh, my topic in a, a couple of weeks, because oh, I right. an Afri- and it's southern start in Africa, so I find it absolutely fascinating. Well, you could do the French Empire there. So oh, are. yes, the French Empire, so we should be back with more empire, the new political empire, uh, as we should like to call it. Um, so, yeah, um, unfortunately, I suppose, is there any any other comments so far? Um, well, I'm playing, I could speak all day, Archie, but I I, I know we're in a rush. <laughs> we're not in a rush. No, we we have. No, we, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got other things to talk about, haven't we? We have. Yes, unfortunately, this week I uh, had a very big lapse in judgment and only uh, remembered to send put out the kind of the media social media request if anyone had any comments on the empire, uh, Commonwealth or Empire imperialism. Uh, a couple of hours ago, so we haven't actually got uh, um, the desk of our listeners. So we don't have the lovely coot da 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 theme there playing. But ah. on the other hand, we do have an absolutely wonderful uh, historical fig, historical political figure of the week. Yeah, I won't bother pronouncing, so I'll leave you to introduce. <laughs> you can call him Nehru at least. <laughs> Nehru, there we are. Yes. Oh. Yes. Shall I, can, I, can, I, can I go? Indeed, I... indeed, yes. Okay. Um, so, Jawaharlal Nehru is uh, a, an extraordinary figure in Indian politics, and I think in politics as a whole. Um, so his name was Pandit Nehru, so like most people colloquially. Um, and it basically means teacher. So he, he, he had a very interesting life in India. His dad, Montyal Nehru, was a famous uh, Indian politician in the Indian National Congress, and he was... He, he, he grew up in this Indian elite. He went to Harrow School, the, the famous public school in England, and was kind of um, brushing shoulders with the, 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 the great, um, very rich uh, aristocrats of, of Britain. And, and his lit- the people who literally ruled over, it, ruled over him, which I find quite, quite, quite interesting. Um, uh, he, he then went on to make extraordinary um, um, progress within the International Congress, along with Mahatma Gandhi. And... He was extraordinary with words. I'm, I'm just going to read. Um, so he was the Prime Minister of India when they gained independence. And this is what he said on the midnight of the 15th of August, 1947. Long ago, we made a tryst with destiny. And now the time comes when we shall redeem our pledge, not wholly or in full measure, but substantially. At the stroke of the midnight hour, when the world sleeps, India will awake to freedom and life. I think it's an extraordinary way with words he has and a, a wonderful politician. I, I agree. He he was actually quite. He's quite fascinating. I, I quite I quite like uh, his kind of within within foreign affairs. We usually see most leaders now are very kind of weaving in and out. And even that era, they were very kind of vying for power. But he was quite neutral in regards uh, to yeah. international 
Um, obviously, because he was a socialist. He, he was, yes. Uh, not exactly my favourite form of uh, political ideology. Um, Socialists. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Ruining the world as usual. Yeah, but uh, that's where there's a fair democracy. Arc. Exactly. That's where there wouldn't be democracy without uh, but opposite opinions. There wouldn't, no, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so, but I must say it's fascinating because he uh, was prime minister, then his daughter became prime minister, yes, and then his grandson I, became I... prime minister after his daughter. So it is, well, yeah, it's, this it's is a long. The, this is the massive issue in India. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because uh, Indian. Uh, these this real for a long while before and then we had um, people like uh, Narendra Modi mm. uh, over. but there was a massive issue of um, pol- the political elites in India and Indira Gandhi is incredibly I would in- urge anybody listening to read it I'm doing my EPQ on Indira Gandhi um, she is a, a a fascinating figure and I'm specializing in her um, in, in in the democracy in India because she was there's a massive issue of populism in her in her mm. premiership in India very very fascinating but it's it's really it's really fascinating. I I was only personally aware of kind of the links in you see African countries and we see um, the likes of let's say Cote d'Ivoire is my my specialty, uh, and we see kind of Felix Ofoawani was kind of the first leader he ruled, ruled for thirty four years, uh, then left uh, died not left office he died. Uh, but then you see the whole ruling class even up until now is all from politicians from the same era. So we see this even like here, I suppose it's looking at the kind of that level of we know the family, they do good, we should keep them. Uh, that's, that's a very, very basic attitude. It's, yeah, if I, uh, probably totally wrong. But that, that, is, that is kind of a form of attitude there. He's, in fact, I will say thank you for putting it in as the mm. historical figure of the week. Because a I, I, found, I found him fascinating to read about. Uh, yeah, that was my, my research for this week was yeah. basically spent reading about I suppose, this wonderful... Uh, this Brilliant. story. I'm, I'm, yes. glad I, I'm glad I made you do, do a bit of work on Indian history. I know. Yes, I must say. Yeah, I've not. I've never done in my li- life very much, much uh, Indian history. So what it, it was ra- rather interesting, I must say. Uh, did you do any reading, Oliver? We're going we're no, to see if, no. if Oliver did pay no. attention to our wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful. No, but I do figure. remember um, earlier on in school. I don't know that you ever covered it, Arch, but it did actually cover about the British Empire a little bit. I don't know whether you did that in. We did, yes, yes. Curriculum. Oh, we did. We did actually yeah. do about Gandhi, but that was in about mm. uh, about about four years ago, uh, five years ago. A lot of people so. did the uh, the Amritsar massacre as well. Mm. Yeah, and then the salt, the salt thing where they banged the people over the heads. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. So we do move on to I suppose, Oliver's <clears throat> favourite part of the episode. Yes, it's the Isle of Man news once again. So there's currently 59 cases on the Isle of Man, and nearly half of them are in school-aged children. Mark Cavendish is one stage away uh, to to uh, equal uh, the all-time record of Eddie Merckx's 34 stage wins, which will be absolutely fantastic. And on Timwell Day, on uh, was it Monday the 5th of July, Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal, Princess Anne, was present. Yeah. Um, t- I have to say that Timwell Day is the Manx National Day. It's a very proud day for the Isle of Man since we do have the longest continuous parliament uh, in the world. So, uh, and I'll do a big, big explain what the Timwell Day is because uh, I, I don't know if Jane knows much about it. I, I actually, uh, funny enough, the amount of political bubbles I've been watching it, it, it appeared on my uh, recommended on my Excellent. YouTube the live version of it. So Excellent. Like, yeah. Uh, so, so for, if anyone hasn't listened to that, as Jane's obviously done good research there. Uh, if anyone hasn't listened to that, uh, Timwell Day. Uh, is basically the national day of the island on the 5th of July uh, 
um, the better day rather than the 4th of July. We don't yeah. talk about that one. <laughs> uh, so where they all, all the politicians here sit on a hill oh, and awesome. then the, like, the first deems to read out, proclamate uh, the laws. And if they're not read out within a year of their passing on Timwald, on the hill, they cease to become law. Mm. That's how that's how old school we are. It's, it yeah. has to be read to become law. Yeah. Here. Um, yeah. Very interesting. And it's, it's been it's existed uh, since um, not, I've forgotten the year. It's ridiculously long, like nine hundred AD yes. or something. Yeah. Um, a thousand, uh, what one one thousand one hundred and something years. Mm. Yeah. Of history. Oh, it's amazing. And obviously, were, were you two present? Uh, Sadly, one was not. Sadly, one was not either. <laughs> I, I do watch the live stream though, as well. Yes, I've watched live uh, streams of it. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if the best time this this year, obviously, with the rise of our COVID in our community, was the best yes. idea to go. Especially to go us out. being uh, young, unvaccinated yes. people. So, uh, how's but, the weather uh, been over there as well? Uh, it was lovely on yes. Timber Day. Lovely. Yeah, it was lovely up until yet. to just this evening when I was, we were driving here. Uh, and it started spitting on the windscreen. Yes, ho- horribly grey and murky. But What's the um, opposite, actually. Yeah, but obviously, occasionally uh, we do. I think the last time we did have royalty uh, come to 2008, to 2008 yeah. and it was Princess Anne again. Princess Anne's like the most visited royal to the mm. island because uh, she's very interested in um, equestrian, and obviously, uh, equestrian's quite big on the islands. And I think she does have a personal mm. interest in the island anyway. Uh, so it's very. Uh, the, the Manx people do get quite excited uh, for a bit of royalty. Ah, and then, and then we get the opposite, where we have the Manx Republicans, who are very like, oh, we don't need a, someone else coming over to preside over our ceremony here. I can't do a Manx accent. I do a yeah. lot I wish, of I wish I was over there. It sounds, it sounds very exciting. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, but re- regardless, we get a left lieutenant governor who's representative of the Queen to preside over it anyway. So yes. it's still someone yeah. English, regardless. Yes. And obviously, um, I'll just go backwards now. So uh, oh, yeah. Mark Cavendish, uh, who's a fantastic uh, cyclist is uh, if you watch the Tour de France yes, I don't know if you do yeah, uh, but obviously, yeah there we go yeah if you know the Tour de France you'll probably know Mark Cavendish as well even if you're not uh, on the other man I did watch the, the, the cardboard one. Oh, <laughs> where the person yeah that they got oh, the, yeah. the lady 100,000 pounds something ridiculous yeah, like I, that yeah I did think she was in custody yeah ah, but isn't that I think the fine was that she was released without any charge actually she might still be fine but not that mm. total amount it's ridiculous it's no. silly it happens all the time and the mm. cyclists get really annoyed I, I would be I would be too yeah, yeah. But, but Mark Cavendish yeah he's basically going to be the greatest cyclist of all time if he gets another stage win and obviously being a, a Manx boy born and bred, uh, he, yeah. he's doing doing the nation very proud. Indeed, um, indeed. But obviously, on on the on the uh, downside to to some good news that we've had, there are fifty nine cases of coronavirus on the Isle of Man. I was actually uh, looking at today. Um, New Zealand has only had twenty seven deaths <laughs> yeah, over the whole they've, time. They've been, they've been very they've been good. Very yeah. good. You know, and they're, just, such just, big, they're much bigger than yeah. here. Just, here we've had about yeah. twenty six. Yeah, and they've only had uh, well less than two thousand cases. So I'm just doing a quick comparison here to the Isle of Man. But fifty nine cases, and nearly half of them are in school aged children. But it's only contained to two schools at the moment. Well, but, Oliver, you could have, I could have, and we wouldn't know. Yes, because our government has decided. I'm sure you would do lateral flow testing where you are, Jay. Uh, yes, we do every Monday, every Sunday and Wednesday. Ah, because here we have lateral flow testing availability now. This the government's fine, finally decided. Yes, we will allow you to use lateral flow testing, but we can only we can pick it up from school, but we can't pick it up. Our parents have to pick it up between for like my school nine fifteen and three twenty. <laughs> 
Ah, students aren't allowed to pick him up. Even even in sixth form, even above 16, no, you need a parent to come in. So we don't actually have testing of school children. Has the mask rule got over to you yet? Are you still no. waiting for that? No, no, there's no <laughs> mask rule, no. Uh, so, yeah, we have no mitigation within schools. Yes. Uh, they're packed. Uh, and half the COVID cases here are within schools. Mm. And, and there's probably more than that, and we just don't know about them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a massive issue of that, yeah. yeah. Especially with this new variant that's um, Delta. I know. Yeah. It'll, it'll be worse where you are, probably. Uh, I think with Boris Johnson announcing yesterday, oh, Savage Javid, sorry, announcing yesterday, uh, there would be, uh, there could be possibly 100,000 cases a day at the peak in summer. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, uh, we don't <laughs> end But the best thing is, is looking at the graphs, the hospital hospitalizations and, and deaths have gone right down, which is which is good to hear. Uh, but the cases are coming higher and higher and higher. Certainly uh, don't envy you, Jay. So, yes, uh, my sympathy yeah. is there. Uh, yes, well, but... You go for walks in the wonderful rolling hills of Cheshire. Oh, it <laughs> does sound good, yes. Yeah. Well, we move on to our, our UK news, which you might be more familiar with. Obviously, we saw... Uh, yesterday we saw a brilliant win uh, from England in the Euros. Uh, a massive fire has actually broken out this uh, last week in an undersea gas pipeline which connects to the Kulamupzap oil field. I probably pronounced that horribly wrong. Uh, the National Rally Party in France re-elects uh, Marine Le Pen without any opposition. Uh, and John Lewis has said it plans to build 10,000 homes for rent. Uh, the uh, Evergreen, the ship which blocked the Suez Canal, has finally been released. And this is the most interesting of them all, is Vladimir Putin signed a law stipulating that sparkling wine sold as champagne must be produced in Russia. Which, yeah, that's quite shocking. But anyway, we go to the Euros, where, yeah, it was a fantastic result yesterday, I think. Uh, we actually yeah. made it to the finals since the t first time since 96, if I'm correct. From Italy, the Italy. With Italy, yes. Oh. Wow. Well, Italy are a ver and have been throughout the um, throughout this competition a, a very strong side, but clearly, clearly England have been as well. Is it coming home though? That's that question we have to. Pose of course, to. it's coming home, Archie. Of course, it's yeah, coming home. We need the optimism. How about you, Jay? I, um, Jay? Yes, I, I, I think, I think it is. I found what I found very interesting, as this is a political mm. podcast, um, <laughs> was the was the amount of. Um, what I both Starmer and Bar uh, Johnson are doing to like kind of win votes, oh, yes. um, like yeah, accelerating an attempt. Yeah. Yes, it was like the um, it was like uh, Keir was saying, all businesses must let their staff go um at f uh, b before before like two o'clock in the afternoon to go watch the match or and go to the pub. Yeah. I found it and hilarious. Then, then Johnson just kind of refused to uh, rule out a, a bank holiday on Monday. So it's, it's, they're, they're politicizing football, and we see. I th I must say my favorite part parties when they England wins a match and uh, you go on social media and every single political account regardless of sides has the as England fan like England like uh, is coming here or like like England team well and it has the, the, the political logo on it and it's quite it's quite interesting the amount they've drawn on football to gain political influence. was it, there was a shirt last night there was a uh, pretty Patel the home oh, secretary yes. in a yeah. in an England in, shirt in last shirt. night it's quite uh, out it's of coming place. home. It's yeah. quite hard. I meant to ask: Is um, does the Isle of Man have a football team? Um, we do. We, we we apparently do. Yeah, we do now. Uh, a newly established uh, FC Isle of Man. We're entering uh, the Northwest Division One or something. I don't know. Yeah, not but not international. We're, 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 not, we're not as, quite glorious. Yeah, but you'll get there. You'll get there. 
Yes, obviously, is let's say Everton are known as the Toffees, Arsenal are known as the Gunners, we're known as the Ravens. So, and I have no idea yeah. what Oliver's on about because I only seem to watch the odd bit of international football. Uh, yeah, so there we but go. Yes. Uh, but football. yeah, uh, we saw the massive fire break out. That those photos were all splashed across uh, social media and the news uh, earlier in the week. No, sorry, last week. Um, in the for the Kumaloub Zap oil field, and I found my my most interesting part of it, which I found most ironic, was it's under the sea. It's having this giant raging fireball. It's quite astounding pictures, uh, and yet then they're deciding we'll spray with hose boats. We'll spray water on it because <laughs> we can put the fire out, uh, even though it's already in water. Yeah, hilarious. Very interesting. I, I don't understand how the water just couldn't put it out. Put it out anyway. I, I'd have to look at the pictures and probably. Yeah, that yeah. that did confuse me. But I'm. You might know. You might be more interested with uh, Marine uh, Marine Le Pen in France. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. I must say, she's now be she's uh, running against um, Macron in the presidential elections, along with obviously other parties. But it does show mm. this rise of. Quite ethno nationalism across Europe. That's yeah, ethno nationalism is really interesting outside of Europe as well. Um, China, uh, Turkey, and India, off the top of my head, are a couple of countries that are, that are quite have quite ethno nationalistic regimes. For an essay I did a while back um, on the on democracy, I uh, I looked at ethno nationalism, mm. uh, particularly kind of the populist lens of ethno nationalism um, that we see with with uh, Modi, as we've already talked about, and also uh, it. it um, Turkey's prime, uh, president, um, and I, that, that's really that's really fascinating. Um, it's another kind of threat to liberal democracy, I think. Well, it, it all it all it all it all tends to depend on uh, kind of who do you, who do you prefer? Do you prefer Marine Le Pen or uh, I think Macron? They're the ones I'd arguably arguably the strongest chances of getting in. I find Macron a bit yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not really a fan of Macron and his attitude. He, he's quite oh, I don't know how to describe. Him, he, he's 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 an interesting character. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I find it fascinating the amount of um, kind of glory uh, pr- presidents of France get because they're the kind of state figure. Like we've seen that woman, um, mm. not the woman slapping Emmanuel Macron, the other one. Oh yeah. It was uh, it was um, kind of crying over Emmanuel Macron, and I think it's like he he to a lesser extent kind of holds the. Uh, the reputation like the Queen would as a figure of state. I find that quite interesting. Mm. I know it's, 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 it's definitely fascinating considering we see kind of, it's not, there's still a prime minister of France, but in all the talks, it's the presidents who goes yeah. to them, uh, which I must say is fascinating. I find it a very interesting odd system. Um, but uh, yeah, and champagne was obviously the last one, which I've, I've, I only, I only re- I read about it in, lo- in looking at the news and it's quite an odd law it's saying that all like sparkling lines, shoulders, champagne must now be produced in Russia. I'm not sure exactly if that then excludes the champagne grown in the proper champagne region of France. Champagne. Yeah, yeah. champagne. It, it doesn't make sense, but I guess we'll see the impacts very... of it. I don't think it will happen. As it comes. Yes, but I suppose we come to one of my usual favourite episodes, parts of the podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jay produced, said he produced a wonderful PowerPoint 
it's really annoying. It's really annoying. So if if you do send the slides over to you, we can do, we'll publish them on our social media accounts. Yes, yeah. uh, for you. Uh, yes, we'll put that. We'll, we'll do a special post for you. Through. Yeah, scroll through whilst I'm watching them. Right. Actually, oh, I could do like first slide. Yes. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so go over to our uh, Facebook probably, uh, and our, we'll probably put them on. Stick them on our Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and you can go and find them and have a look through these slides if when Jason's over. Right. So. What a wonderful idea. Yeah. So. It's the best part of the week, obviously, and Jay's going to talk to us about caricatures. So, yes, do go on. Thank you. Thank you, Frederick Chopin, for that, for that introduction. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do first slide. Um, so we can see, you're going to have to use your imagination here. We're going to have to... Um, so caricatures began here, as you can see, um, as political satire and then as, as separate cartoons. And then it kind of went on uh, through the 20s, next slide, into into um, magazines like Vanity Fair, where it, uh, uh, design became a lot more sleek and easy. Uh, Cubist inspired, next slide, bright colours and geometric shapes. Um, then in the 1930s, it gained a lot, a lot more popularity, and we turned into World War II, when it became caricatures a lot darker and a form of propaganda. And the uh, the cartoonist that I've linked there, Edward uh, Syke, was a Polish American, and he's probably most famous. Now you can see within them there's kind of really uh, racist imagery trying to kind of uh, that propaganda. And then after the war, there was another wave of creativity uh, with Gerald Scarf, um, who kind of used a repulsive, gory images of like Margaret Thatcher and people like that. And then finally, Roger Law and Peter Flockoff, splitting image, who are extraordinary. Mm, and yes. The, kind of the, 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 the new popular um, caricatures. So enjoy the, the images as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. We've, we, we've, we're actually talking about the the latest uh, episode of Spitting Images of the Week. Oh, now, yes. Which they, yeah, they extraordinary. It, yeah. it is it's such a brilliant show. Do you go check it out. It's on. If you're in the UK, you can find it on YouTube for free. You but, can't. You, can't, you can if you're in the Isle of Man. If you're in England, it doesn't allow you to. Really? Oh, so, I wow. Think, I th- we must have been talking. I remember I ta- I, we were talking about this before. about yeah. This is weird. Like, oh, the, you could just watch it here. And you're like, uh, I, I can't. Because the Isle of Man, yeah. it's always the Isle of Man that can't access things, not the, the other way around. So back superiority yes, here. But, back but, superiority. but I do. Political satire is, is one, of, one of my most favourite things. Uh, to, yeah. to, to to look at or, or watch yeah no it's great yeah there was a brilliant BBC Radio 4 one a long uh, probably about a year ago mm. uh, I only listened to it on repeat because it was like it went out like usually 11 o'clock at night uh, but it was about Boris Johnson and he, the reporter went to speak to Boris Johnson about whiff waff uh, I think it's, it's in relation to his oh, whiff speech oh, it's, it's, it's all about how Boris was like going to the end of his age and it's like it's time travelling uh, and he was like on the deathbed and he's talking about whiff waff and we should play another game of whiff waff uh, which I found very fascinating it, uh, uh, yeah, if, yeah. If, if you're on the Isle of Man and a bit of sort of political satire you can uh, ha- go and uh, I, look I am at I Am One I Am One which is on Max Radio, Max Radio yeah. and also Take Over TV, TV. they yes. they produce uh, some good Good Manx local satire is great. Yeah. Yes, but I must say that's fasc- what's fascinating about characters, Jay. Thank you very much. And I shall. I, I can't wait till I can go and see those slides. So uh, when they're pinged over, they shall be posted on our Facebook and Instagram, so you can go and view them and browse them at your leisure. So um, we do come to, I suppose, another interesting part of the episode, which is our recommendations. So we recommend to you each week. Something to read, something to watch, and something to listen. 
So, Jay, what are your recommendations to watch, read, and listen this week? Okay. Um, okay. I, I read a lot, so um, good luck. <laughs> um, if, you're gonna, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're interested in Empire, I would. There's, there's a couple of ways of approaching it. Um, if you want to look at statistically and economically, a real good book uh, into that is Shashi Thoreau's um, Inglorious Empire. If it gets a bit boring, skip the first chapter and it gets better later on. Um, if you want to, I do uh, Empire as how it actually run day to day. I think uh, John Darwin's Unfinished Empire is a very good book on that. And then conceptually, uh, as a British person, how should we judge Empire? I think Empire Land by Sanford Segarra is a very, very, very good book. And also, if you want to look at East India Company, William Dalrymple is probably the the the, 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 um, the guy to look at, the historian to look at. And also, if you're going to look at Partition, like Charlie was talking about, amazing book called Indian Summer by Alex von Tusselman. And it's all about that one summer of Indian independence and how frantic it was to rush towards the end. Uh, listening, uh, there is ex- there's a very, very good YouTuber called um, Tom Nicholas, who's doing a PhD, and he makes these really, really good, concise uh, videos like the myth of... I watched another uh, one called the, the Myth of Free Press and um, what Jordan Peterson and another mm-hmm. one is uh, what Jordan Peterson misunderstands about Orwell. I mean, Orwell's a really amazing writer and probably the most misunderstood writer. Um, so I, that's what I recommend. And what, what was the other one? Watching. Watching. Um, I'm a big... I've been trying to make my way through all the, um, the kind of classics. So Shawshank Redemption is a very, very good film. Um as is Clockwork Orange, but that's quite gory. But there you go, that's all from me. Uh, Oliver, Oliver, how about you? Well, obviously, uh, I've actually gone for the same for you with the watching, because uh, I-, I was watching a-, a good show the other day, but I thought, oh, yes, we'll, we'll go on to the Euros. Obviously, I'll be watching on Sunday evening at 8pm, uh, England versus Italy in the final of the uh, the Euros. And uh, listening-wise, a, a sort of a a sister brother cousin podcast you could say as they do uh, record and publish here at via manx radio is the manx theater podcast um it's very interesting it's that they, they've recorded um and interviewed some of the people that i've done shows with so i find it interesting to, to know a bit more about them and where they've come from um because if you don't know me i do a lot of theater and acting sort of stuff so um it really interests me because you get to find out about mm. sort of people's how they've come into it, what they've done previously. Obviously, I'm only very young. Obviously, some people have been doing it for a long time. So I find it really interesting. And you get to find out lots of information and facts about it all. So, yeah. Mm, does sound interesting. I, but, I just uh, I'm listening. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't do my listening. I would oh, just say, uh, yes. the uh, Brazilian guitarist, Toeo Gilberto, is an amazing jazz guitarist, isn't he? That's, that's me done. <laughs> there you are, yes. Archie, your recommendations? Well, m- mine are uh, reading. I'm re- I'm dipping in and out of a fascinating book at the moment of many thought problems and philosoph- philosophical problems uh, called The Pig That Wants to Be Eaten and 99 Other uh, Thought Problems or something along those lines. It's a pig that wants to be eaten. It's a fascinating book. Uh, I do highly recommend. It's very full of brain teasers. Uh, very good, very big philosophical questions posed uh watching i will echo oliver's comments and say uh, definitely the uh euros on saturday no not saturday sunday uh is definitely uh, recommendations there uh let's fingers crossed it will come home uh and then listening apart from our wonderful uh, uh kind of sister podcast which is uh, act popular as well do go check us out on youtube and then also spotify and all your favorite 
uh, podcast providers, I suppose, do recommend checking out. I, I am actually on the Monarchy episode, so yes, that's my uh, highlighted one out there. Uh, is Good one on communism as well. On communism as well. That, mm. that was that was in very interesting to watch, I must say. Uh, so, and then also, if you do get a chance, you might be wondering where our guest music comes from. It is uh, Frederick Chopin's Minute Waltz, which is also used on BBC Radio 4's Just a Minute, where that is an absolutely brilliant uh, radio show. It's on, on the car. Oh, excellent to listen to. Very enjoyable. Uh, yes, so... That sort of concludes us for this week. Um, so thanks very much, Jay, for uh, coming on. It's been interesting doing it via this sort of technology. We can speak to people in foreign lands now, uh, which is great. Foreign lands. <laughs> yeah, great to, great to uh, establish the... the yeah. The, how it's going to work. The ability. So it seems to, seems to work very well. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, and also if you'd like to be a guest on Politic Babble, please do get in touch. We like to hear from people with a wide range of views. And we'll try and fit you in. So, yeah, any last comments, uh, Jay? Um, I actually think there is. I think if you're going to look about Empire and anything, really, just read read literature and read the books and then make an informed decision from that. Indeed. Don't 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 listen to me, Mr. <laughs> I can assure you. Jay, much more well-read in, in this aspect. No, no, so, no, don't, don't listen to me. Read, read your own and work out your own decisions. I indeed, would say. Yes. Uh, make your own mind up is the key theme from here. So, yes, that concludes the brilliant podcast that is Politibabble uh, for this week. You can join us next time for a discussion about youth involvement in politics. Leave a like, subscribe, and stay tuned for more. As usual, you can find the podcast versions of uh, your favourite podcast uh, providers. And get in touch at Politibabble on all forms of social media to let us hear your views. You've been Politibabbled.